Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Say What Again Billy podcast. It is Halloween season and we have so much to talk about on this episode, which includes a review of the new Hocus Pocus movie, Hocus Pocus 2. So, we're going to get right into the news segment right now and as you guys know, this past Friday, we had the sequel of Hocus Pocus 2 come out. It aired this past Friday on the, um, what was it? It was October 30th it came out. And it was the sequel 29 years later of the iconic movie for the Halloween season, Hocus Pocus. Hocus Pocus was made in 1993. And 29 years later, the sequel came out. And we're going to get more into that later on um, in the podcast. We have the new movie Spirit Halloween that came out um, or got reviewed. Um, If you guys are aware of Spirit Halloween, it opens up like mid-September and allows everyone to get their Halloween costumes. It's been a thing now for at least the last 8 to 10 years. Usually we see Spirit Halloweens take on in a building that was vacated and it's rented for the two-month span of September into October for Halloween, just Halloween. And you walk in there and you can get all your party essentials for Halloween parties, including costumes. And apparently somebody made it into a movie and the Spirit Halloween channels the horror of aging out childhood through product placement that for more comforting than consuming, it finds the sweet spot between commercialism capitalizing on trends wholly indebted to the getaway playfulness that leads children against the kinda soppy undead. And that is a review from IGN.com, I-G-N-D-O-T-C-O-M on Instagram. That's the review they gave this new Spirit Halloween. And I believe uh, we have some news with Ghostbusters as well. We are hearing that the Afterlife cast is coming back. Most of them are coming back for the sequel that was announced uh, about a couple of weeks ago, almost a month ago. So we'll be hopefully happy to see everybody returning. Finn Wolfhart, the McKenna Grayson, I believe her name is. So that we can see the full-on cast from the Afterlife movie returning and hopefully doing something along the lines as Winston holding the reins of the Ghostbusters now and hopefully we get to see some more fighting and some of the Ghostbusters return. There is a Ghostbusters video game coming out at the end of October. It's called Spirits Unleashed and it's made by the makers of Predator Hunting Grounds and uh, we're going to see the Afterlife movie kind of correlate through the video game which is kind of cool and uh, some that's the news segment for today. So, I believe last season, I did an episode that was titled Halloween to Me, and um, we have 27 days until Halloween, which is kind of mind-boggling because I could remember starting off my new job in the end of May, and I can remember the entire day, and everything that was holiday-wise was just seemed so far away. And time does go by super fast that we are 27 days away from Halloween and it is the spooky season. And one of the things I wanted to talk about before I get into the review of Hocus Pocus is some things that make you feel like you are in the Halloween season. And I'm from Bronx, New York, so 
in the last week or so, we went from the weather being in the mid to upper, from mid 70s to low 80s. And as soon as the first full day of fall hit, we went straight into the cold weather. September pretty much ended and we went right into the fall and the weather has been very crisp. And that is something that reminds everybody of not just obviously the fall, but Halloween. And there's a certain feel to the Halloween season where the leaves fall, there's a crisp air and everybody starts bringing out the Halloween decorations. And some people go to the extravagant lengths to fully decorate their house from iconic movie monsters to the newer um, monsters and horror icons like Michael Myers, Jason, Freddy Krueger, Chucky, and people really love Halloween. It's not just a one-day event. It's a event that takes place from almost the middle of September all the way to the end, October 31st, of Halloween. And this all started from a Celtic holiday, technically, um, called Shawin, which basically was the, it's got multiple definitions as time has been on. It was basically the end of the harvesting season into like the new season where winter and fall, the cold weather was coming and the villagers and the people from that time period would know that that was the dangerous time of the, of the, of the, you know, the season where, you know, it was, food was going to be hard to come by that crops were not going to grow because of the colder weather. They had to basically save the food they were had from the spring and the summer and, you know, make sure they had enough to get through this fall and winter season. And what they would do is they felt that if this season came upon them, that they had to, the evil spirits, the spirits they believed in, because the weather was changing and things were going to get harder, they felt that it was the season that the spirits would be able to come forward more. More dangerous times meant that spirits would be able to run around. So this this celebration or period of Shawin, they called it, they would stack up on food and be prepared for the long haul of terrible weather and spirits being able to roam around. And they would have these big bonfires and dress up in masks and so on and so forth to kind of keep the spirits at bay, to kind of blend in. And it was, um, we even had a discussion, this was from last season's uh, episode, Halloween to Me, where they'd burn a particular type of wood. And that wood would be, if it burned and kept burning into the next day, going into the fall and the winter, they would have um, luck. And if it went out the next day, they would know that they were in for some hard times. And this all from that period, from that story, from that tradition, translated into Halloween so many, so many years later. Um, we have the trick-or-treating that came from kids being in the early um, 30s and 40s, I believe. It was in the early 19, uh, 19s where kids would go out trick-or-treating, but they would cause havoc. You know, they would celebrate Halloween, getting dressed up, and the kids would cause so much havoc, they had to come up with a solution. These neighborhoods in the United States, they had to come up with a solution to keep the kids at bay from doing mischievous things. So what they ended up doing, and this is basically Halloween in a nutshell, what they ended up doing, if you wanted to know how 
the trick-or-treating thing came about is they started telling kids to come over for parties instead of having them go on the street and cause mischief, which they became mischievous on the Halloween season, and they would throw parties and do games like bobbing for apples and making cakes and cookies. And it would be kind of like a trick-or-treat. So the kids would come over and the families that would make these treats for the kids to try to keep them out of the streets would essentially say trick-or-treat, and the kids chose to treat. Most of them did instead of being you know, trick instead of choosing trick, which would be mean the kids going out and doing mischievous things. And during that time period from like the 20s to the early 60s or 70s, the kids would take like fences off houses and hide it, um, break car mirrors, um, take things out of the front lawn, put them out in the street. Those were the type of mischievous things that the kids did back then. So the way of taking the kids out of being mischievous was to hold these parties and give treats to the kids and a good chunk of them uh, obliged to the candy and the cookies and the cakes and the parties while certain kids still went out and been mischievous and that's where the trick-or-treat thing came from evolving from the Shawin, um if I'm pronouncing it right from the Celtic tradition um over the pond into the Europe and the Ireland and the areas over there this all spawned from that translated into trick-or-treating and costumes and then of course the businesses saw that this that they could profit from halloween creating costumes for kids to wear creating the candy companies got involved tootsie roll and hershey all got involved into the mix and started making bags time appropriate during the 40s 30s 50s 60s and started making halloween candies specifically for the time period from october september into october for halloween and halloween became a long centuries ago tradition evolving into what it is today and costume companies made more elaborate costumes Candy companies essentially made bags of candy specifically for the Halloween season, and we went into this um, Halloween tradition that we have today for trick-or-treating, with costumes and decorations, and movies, and in a nutshell, that's pretty much how Halloween evolved from a Celtic, which people, many people believe, a Celtic holiday which would translate it to Shawin, from being fearful of spirits being able to walk around, and, you know, hunkering down in the woods because the time was getting cold and we had to save food and doing bonfires and keeping spirits away all the way back to the United States where we started dressing up and doing the trick-or-treat. And essentially, it came from across the pond, from, the, from Ireland, England, those areas, and evolved into what it is today. And that's pretty much Halloween that I know of um, in a nutshell paraphrased from certain things um, to you people listening to my podcast. So Halloween has evolved and it is a one it is actually the second most celebrated holiday in the United States of America right after Christmas. Christmas is the first and Halloween is the second. So that goes to show you that Christmas and Halloween are essentially the most celebrated holidays. And to be honest with you, um, Halloween from uh, the Pope wanted to, I believe at the time, and I don't remember which Pope it was. um, I want to say Bernard or Gregory, but wanted to make Halloween kind of illegal, I believe, at that time period, because All Souls Day was the next day, All Saints Day. So they... um, kind of made it into a holiday the day before and then the next day you celebrate the um the uh holiday of all saints day um 
so it's, it, it, it actually conflicted with, with the religion. Um, and, uh, that's pretty much, uh, a little in a nutshell with the Halloween stuff, but it evolved into this, this big thing where it's the second most celebrated holiday. And, um, Halloween to me is everything that I just talked about. I can remember trick or treating as a kid, getting dressed up, coming home from school. If I had school, being at school all day, taking, you know, taking, um, Halloween candies to school, giving them out to my friends, celebrating at school, and then coming home and hoping holiday Halloween usually you know would fall on a on a on a Friday, so that you know you didn't have to go to school the next day and get home and get dressed up and go through the neighborhoods trick or treating. It was the most memorable experience, and you know, it's as a kid you remember these things and then when you get older you know you want to pass your tradition on to your kid and that's what makes halloween so big and special too is that everything we've lived as as a young child we essentially do the same things for our kids and i know when i halloween hits i take my daughter to my mom's area where the houses are uh, a lot nicer um not saying that my area is particularly bad but it's a little bit we're safer to walk around with the traffic and things like that over there. And we usually go in a group and we trick or treat and then we just drive the five minutes home to our house and that's our Halloween tradition. But beyond that, leading up to the holiday of Halloween, we've had some TV shows and movies that all play a factor in the anticipation and the feels, quote unquote, to get to Halloween. Now, in 1993, Hocus Pocus was made and it aired, um, I believe it, it was actually aired during the summer in the movie theaters. I don't know if it was in the movie theaters or it was um, on Disney's movie night or something like that. I know Cartoon Network did a movie night on Saturdays where they aired specific movies and things like that. Um, but... Yeah, it was released July 16th, 1993. So I was correct. It was aired during the summer. And then when it was aired during the summer, it became the most iconic. This is my opinion, but it became one of the most iconic Halloween movies to the Halloween season. And yes, other things did come out, such as The Nightmare Before Christmas. The Nightmare Before Christmas actually came out in 1993 too. It came out in 1993. Um, I would love to know the date that it came out. Um, it came out 1993. Um, October 13th. So actually right before Halloween. And I remember my mom, because she was the one who got me into the Halloween-ish environment and and like love for paranormal she took me to the movie theaters and i saw the nightmare before christmas and i actually remember being um afraid because this was like a something that i people never really seen it was like clay animation it was stop motion it was very you know the artwork in it was very new to its time period. So I actually was a little afraid, especially the mayor that had two faces that spun around. Um, Jack, the character, Jack Skellington, or, you know, 
King Jack, whatever he was, the Pumpkin King or whatever the case may be, he kind of scared me. I remember being pretty fairly afraid in the movie theater seeing that. But that movie as well became an iconic movie for the Halloween season. And not only just Halloween, Christmas, because in the movie, Jack wanted to bring Christmas and do Christmas things. So like you could watch The Nightmare Before Christmas at Christmas time, but of course watch it on Halloween. So in 93, we had two iconic movies, Hocus Pocus coming out in July and The Nightmare Before Christmas coming out in October. And you had these movies to watch. Now going forward, you were able to buy the VHSs, if you remember what those are, and pop them in or watch cable TV. And these shows would come out. And I remember very, very vividly um, that we would sit down on a, on a Saturday night or a Friday and we would know that Hocus Pocus is coming out on whatever station at the time it was and we would watch the movies and it would just kick off the start of Halloween for us. So in 93, you got Nightmare Before Christmas and Hocus Pocus. Now it seems to me that Hollywood is what they're doing is they're releasing iconic movies that give the nostalgia feel. So, right? so if you grew up during the 90s, if you were born in the late 80s, such as myself, I was born in 86, 35 right now, so I got to live, in my opinion, through the best time period ever, the 90s, you have this, this yearn for the nostalgia to come back. Some of the biggest things now that are, that are really, really big are old video games. You know, in the last few weeks, GoldenEye for Nintendo 64 is going to be remade and coming out on Nintendo Switch and Xbox. An iconic video game from that time period. People still talk about WrestleMania 2000 and No Mercy on the Nintendo 64. The graphics were terrible, but the gameplay and everything was so good. It's an iconic game. And people say, bring it back, remake it, put it on PlayStation, put it on Xbox. The nostalgia factor of things we lived through and enjoyed are coming back. Pokemon is still going strong. They're still making games. So what Hollywood is essentially doing now is taking movies that we loved from that time period. Um, we saw it with Ghostbusters. We saw it with Indiana Jones making a fifth movie coming out. Um, we see these movies that were iconic hits from our age era, even though we might have watched it, it came out a year's before we were born, we watched it, we loved it, and we yearned for it. And Hollywood is like, all right, we could still use something that was popular back then. Let's remake it. And essentially, 29 years later, Hocus Pocus picked up so much popularity. And even The Nightmare Before Christmas, where we see people getting tattoos and doing artwork with it, Hocus Pocus picked up so much popularity that before COVID, they think they did this Halloween special where they brought back the cast and they did this whole special at Disney and it just picked up the steam where Hollywood and I guess Disney decided to say, hey, you know what we got to do? Let's make a sequel to it. And that's, that's exactly what they did. They made a sequel and... Before I get into the review of Hocus Pocus, I warn you, there'll be spoilers. So if you're at this point listening to the podcast and you haven't seen it, pause, go watch Hocus Pocus 2 and then come back for the review. But they did make it and I'm going to get into the review right now. There was a lot of things that I hoped that they did for this sequel, which in my opinion would have made it, I would not say the movie was bad, so I'll, I'll give you my my take on it right away. I would say out of four stars, the movie was about two and a half to three. If I had to rate it on a scale from one to ten, I would give it a seven. 
there was a lot of things I wanted to see for many years. They had teased Hocus Pocus on Facebook and social media that the, the witches would come back into the city. There was a picture that was fan-made going around for years of the three witches um, standing in what appeared to be a street in Manhattan. That would have been a good idea. Bring them back somehow. They find their way to Manhattan, so on and so forth. You had Max and his and his sister and his girlfriend. That could have been his wife at the time, living in Manhattan, getting out of Salem, and somehow, some way, the witches found the way back. And it could have took place in Manhattan. They could have went that route. They could have went the route where they had them in Salem, still living, living their lives. Max married um, um, the girl in the movie. I oh, I forget her name, and. They had kids and his sister ended up having kids and they all come together for Halloween and the witches find the way back and they all have to work together. The old generation, the new generation coming together and, you know, battling the witches one last time. Now, apparently, you know, what could have happened and I don't know for a fact is they were able to get the actresses that played the three witches, the Sanderson sisters, uh, Bette Miller, Sarah Jessica Parker and the other woman's name. I forgot. Forgive me. Um, but what they could have done is they could have, they, I don't think they were able to get everyone back in the cast, Sarah Jessica Parker, Bette Miller, um, Omari Katz was Max Dennison, Kathy Najimi was Mary Sanderson, I'm reading the cast members right now, Thora Birch was the sister, Dan, uh, Danny Dennison, and there we go, Vanessa Shaw was Allison, Allison was, um, Max Dennison's, uh, girlfriend. I wish that they would have went that route and got them all back to be married and have families, but whatever. They got the, the original cast back as far as the witches, the Sanderson sisters, and um, what they basically did in this movie was they had to kind of take modern takes. I guess they couldn't get Amari Katz back, they couldn't get Thora Birch back, and they couldn't get Vanessa Shaw, and Sean Murray, who played Thackeray Banks, uh, obviously from the first movie, he was able to be released from the spell and join his sister, which who were killed by the witches in you know heaven. You saw them walk into the gates in the light. They couldn't get; he wouldn't wouldn't make sense to have him back. But they got the three original witches back, and what they did was they took a modern take where in Salem it's more modern. You see the kid, the children in a school scene. Uh, believed to be maybe the same school from the 93 version. And it was these two girls getting ready to do things on Halloween. They had a tradition that they would go on Halloween, which happened to be one of the characters' birthdays, her 16th birthday, that they were going to partake in their, you know, quote-unquote ritual that they loved to do since they were five years old in the woods and do a Halloween thing slash birthday event in the woods. Prior to this scene, we saw the young version of the witches in Salem, and they were trying to force the um, Bette Miller's cow, Betty Miller's cow character. They were trying to get her to marry this reverend and um, Winifred Sanderson. They were trying to get her to marry this reverend. It didn't happen. They ended up having this big event happen where they were going to separate the sisters from. Bette Midler's character, Winifred Sanders, and they were going to separate them. A spider came and bit the reverend, and they disappeared into these woods where they met the witch of the woods who essentially gave the Sanderson sisters the book. They took the book and kind of got that the main witch that found them kind of got the sense that they're not just average little kids. They have this, this attitude about them 
to be witches. The book was passed to Winifred Sanders, and they went back into Salem to take revenge on the Reverend, burning down his house. And then they disappeared and became what we saw in the original 1993 Hocus Pocus. So now these three girls in modern times, or two of them, because they were not talking to the third one, essentially... um, One was with a boyfriend, so she wasn't part of the clique no more. And these girls ended up going to a shop on the regular where the the caretaker of the shop was secretly trying to get the witches back because during the events of the 93 Hocus Pocus, he had seen the witches fly and actually went to the ending scene of Hocus Pocus and saw the witches vanish and somehow got a hold of book where he, I guess, renovated the magic shop or the the house where the Sanderson sisters had lived and stored book in a glass box and figured out a way to revive or use the melted wax to make another black flame candle. So he tricked these girls that he'd been talking to for many years coming in there to take the candle because he knew about their little ritual that they did on her birthday every Halloween that fell on October 31st. So he knew the girl was turning 16, gave her the black flame candle. These two girls went without their third friend because the third friend was infatuated with a boyfriend to the woods and essentially during their little event that they did for their birthday, for one of the girls' birthday, lit the black flame candle that they didn't know was the black flame candle. They lit it, flame went black, And all the events happened, which led the Sanderson sisters to be revived, brought back yet again to walk around on Salem. And the main objective of this movie was not to get the souls of the kids, but to to basically seek revenge on the Reverend's offspring. One of the girls that they weren't talking to anymore, her father happened to be the mayor, a descendant of the Reverend from many, many years ago in Salem. So in order to stay alive past the black flame candle melting again because that scenario was the same they had to take blood of the reverend a head of a lover which was billy butcherson which was the only character returning from the original and a whole bunch of other things which they forced the caretaker who brought who helped bring them back to do so um otherwise he would die or something like that they had this hourglass that he was on a timer so basically it was a whole bunch of things that had to happen, and it was a revenge plot for the descendant of the Reverend in Salem. And the movie ended up being that because this girl was turning 16 and always did these type of things on her birthday in the enchanted woods where the book was given to the Sanderson sisters, and obviously was the... Um, area of the woods where these girls went for the Halloween, she was able to become a witch. And she didn't know she was a witch. She ended up being one. So towards the end of the movie, um, the girl finds out that she was a witch and was able to combat the Sanderson sisters. And the movie ended pretty much with Winifred Sanders using a spell that was not supposed to be used. Even the head witch that gave them the book told her never to do this spell. The book would not allow it. She forced Book to do the spell. She remembered the spell. They had everything they needed throughout the movie that they gathered and ended up essentially doing the spell. And she didn't read the warning, which would she would lose her sisters. And in this movie, Disney kind of made it nice where 
you know, there was a, a moral of the story is be careful what you do, the consequences and, you know, having love for your family. So when she did this spell, she lost her two sisters and then she turned to the new witches, which at some point during the movie, all three of them became friends again. The boyfriend thing went by the way of the wayside and they all combined together to be basically a newer, nicer version of the witches. And the lead um, actress, the young lady whose birthday it was that night, told Winifred that, hey, you didn't read the warning. You should have re read it. You're going to lose something you love in order to place the spell. So the Winifred Cinder uh, sisters ended up vanishing and she was at the mercy of this young kid to reverse the spell. And in reversing the spell, she wouldn't bring back the two witches that left. It would essentially bring them, her, Winifred, to her two sisters that disappeared and essentially vanishing the Sanderson sisters um, again, being vanished again um, to be hopefully not brought back because I thought this was kind of the end for Hocus Pocus. It was good, but let's leave it at that. And then, of course, at the end of the movie, there was a post credit scene that I don't know how many people actually um, ended up sticking around to see because with Disney taking Marvel, it is iconic for Marvel to have post credit scenes or mid-credit scenes and there was a post-credit scene. Um, by mistake, we let the credits play. And I turned to my wife and I said, oh, look, post-credit scene. And there was a black cat, which was mistaken for Thackeray Binks. It was the owner of the magic shop, which was the former house of the Winifred, of the Sanderson sisters. And the entire movie, they thought that was Zachary Binks, but it wasn't. But somehow, some way, this cat did things that resembled Thackeray Binks. They made a lot of um, montages. They made a lot of hints to the original movie a lot of montages and um and she, you see the cat walk up to a shelf and in a box was it said bf candle 2 black flame candle 2 so this person that tricked the girl to light the candle on her 16th birthday in the enchanted woods which the woods had history going back to the salem to the sanderson sisters and to these kids that did this birthday halloween tradition he made another candle so that the sisters could essentially come back again. So you see that Disney alluded to a possibility of a third movie. Now, my takes on the movie, obviously I, I gave the whole synopsis of the movie in a nutshell. Um, it was good. It had a lot of flashbacks to the original movie. There was a singing scene um, when the witches first came about. They sung a song. There was a scene similar to the Halloween party in the school gymnasium um, where they sung a different song. It was, uh, you know, nice to see that performance was good. Um, they had costumes that were worn or resembled the Halloween, the um, Halloween costumes from the Hocus Pocus movie in the first one. I saw the Madonna costume. I saw the skeleton costume, which the band members were wearing in the original movie. There was, I didn't see the house from the original movie in it. I, you know, it would have been nice to get just a glimpse of that. They actually did use scenes from the original movie, which was nice because you kind of got the feel that everything was tied together. Um, I thought it was good. I thought there was, um, you know, one part in particular, I, I felt like, okay, you know, I guess they did that because that's Disney. Um, I wasn't crazy about it, but it was so short and sweet that you kind of just threw it by the waist inside and were like, all right, it was, it is what it is. Um, they looked phenomenal. The, you know, the actresses all these years later, uh, Sarah Jessica Parker, Parker, Bette Midler, and um, Kathy Najimy, um, if I'm pronouncing her name right, you know, they looked pretty good. Um, Kathy had lost a substantial amount of weight. 
Uh, Betty Midler looks exactly the same. She actually didn't look any different. You could actually tell Sarah Jessica Parker aged a little bit um, in certain parts, certain scenes. Um, but they looked phenomenal. They act. I think they acted accordingly. Um, they made them all have powers at the end of the movie. They were zapping things out of their finger. You know, um, Winifred Sanders, who I guess was the only one able to do that. Um, you know, one of the witches was able to smell children. Um, Sarah Jessica Parker's witch was able to, um, Sarah Sanderson, which they named Sarah after the actress. She was able to sing to lure kids. And Bette Midler was able to shoot things out of her hands, like the Emperor from Star Wars. And essentially, in this, they at the end, they were all able to do it. You saw a little defiance from the sisters towards the end. Um, you saw a lot of sympathy. Like, in the original movie, you kind of get the sense that uh, Winifred Sanders didn't really like her sisters, that she was a bully. In this one, she mourned them at the end, and she didn't want to be separated from them at the beginning of the movie from the Reverend in Salem when she didn't want to marry the Reverend that she was going to, the reverend and the villagers of that Salem community was going to take the sisters away from her and separate as punishment. And um, that pretty much everything that led to them becoming the witches, um, the Sanderson sisters, their coven, as you will. But it was it was fairly well done. Um, I think that if they were able or they begged all the original actor and actresses to come back, it would have been a lot better seeing them all grown up and take part in... in this new adventure and the Sanderson sisters coming back. I would have loved to have seen Max Dennison. I, I don't know why he didn't come back. I didn't really look far into it. It would have been nice to have Amari Katz back, even though he would have been older, and battle the witches one last time with either his son, they could have casted someone to play his son or daughter. Um, his sister could have been Thora Birch. She could have came back as Danny Dennison having a family. Um, it would have been It would have been really nice to have that. But... They didn't do that. They went a different route. They casted three girls, which they did a fairly good job of being in this movie and playing nice witches. My black cat is now meowing. Hey, Salem. I named them Salem. But um, it was a good movie. It was well done. I, I mean, we wanted to see certain things, you know. Um, I felt watching the trailer, I kind of got the sense of what was going to happen. I anticipated from the middle mark of the movie towards the end of the movie uh, original cast members coming back. Um, I had seen in the trailer Billy Butcherson coming back, so I knew that was going to happen. But I wanted to see more. I wanted to see. I was kind of hoping, you know, maybe Thackeray would come back in some form, but they didn't. They kept it where this was a new situation, a new scenario with the original threat, as you will, coming back. And they did fairly well. For a Disney movie, the acting was what it was. The the three girls, the young girls, they got, I don't think they're high-named actresses. Um, it was kind of like, eh, you know, um, the witches, you know, they did well. Sarah Jessica Parker, Betty Miller and Kathy, Jimmy, they, they did great. They did fine. Um, I think it was all right. The person that, that played the, uh, caretaker of the, uh, old house that was turned into the, um, magic shop now, I feel like. His acting was a little too forced to be like a goofy character that was pretty much... I think his name was Sam Richardson. He played Gilbert. That was the guy's name, Gilbert. Um, I feel like they... He was too forced. Hannah Waddenham played the mother witch that was found in the um, 
in the forest in the beginning of the movie. I believe Doug Jones was the originally was the original Billy Butcherson. They got him back to play Billy Butcherson. The girls in the movie were Leela uh, Buckingham, who played Cassie, which was the girl that was infatuated with the boyfriends. They started off with a bad friendship. Melissa Escobedo played Izzy, was one of the three girls, the main girls in the movie. Alana Montero. Um, no, that's not her. I'm looking for the main character, the main witch, and I don't see her. Li- oh, here she is. Whitney Peak played Becca. Becca was the girl that was uh, turned to a white witch, as you will, and all the three of her friends. Cassie, Becca was the main witch, and Izzy came together towards the end to combat the witches and basically teach Winifred Standard a lesson at the end. It was pretty well. It was pretty well done. I uh, I liked it. It was. It did bring back the nostalgia of the original movie. Um, but at this point in time, Hollywood, I think they've only done one movie right. Or let's let's pause a bit. They've done two movies right. I loved Ghostbusters Afterlife. It was such a good send-off to Harold Ramis. It was such a good movie to do so many years later and everything just fell into place the right way. It was, the reboot of Ghostbusters should have never been done. That's my opinion. I didn't like it. It wasn't Ghostbusters. You don't reboot. You don't touch certain things. So, in my opinion, Ghostbusters Afterlife was done extremely well. Top Gun Maverick. I didn't see Top Gun, believe it or not. I am 35 years old. There's a lot of movies that I should have seen, I never seen. And Top Gun Maverick broke box box office records and was so well done that it was viewed by so many people. They did it right. Now, I've never seen it, so I can't talk about it, but apparently by the reviews and people... You know, the way they went crazy about it, they did it right. So Hollywood did good by Top Gun. They brought back a movie from the 90s and they did it well. And they brought back everyone and they made it well and it did good. Ghostbusters Afterlife had a big following. They didn't reboot it. They didn't. They brought back characters that they needed to bring back. They brought back new characters affiliated with an original character. They did it right. Hocus Pocus 2, they did good. They didn't do great. They did good. But what Hollywood needs to do now at this point in time is they really need to just get some originality into the movie business. They need new stuff. There's video games out there that have good stories that can be perp- that can be used to make a movie. There's this cartoon, The Centurions. They could do it now with the CGI and everything they have now in movies. They could turn The Centurions into such a movie or even a TV show. They need to get original. They have to stop bringing things back from many, many years ago. If it wasn't done from when the movie was first aired or put into movie theaters, you have, in my my, my opinion, you have like a five to ten year window. Okay, Avatar is coming out. It needed to take that time because of the effects and everything. That's coming back out. I'm sure that's going to do great. But certain movies, you got a five to ten year window. Not 29 years, not 30 years. You need to do it, and you need to do it and have it written out fairly well. Afterlife did pretty well. There's going to be a second movie next year, 2023. Hey, great. Hopefully you do it good, you write it well, and you get the right cast, and you bring back the right people from the original, and it'll do well. But Hollywood needs to stop bringing back original movies because the nostalgia is there. We're going to love it no matter what. But at the end of the day, sometimes bringing back movies from so long ago is not really the best thing. My opinion, Hocus Pocus 2 was pretty good. I liked it. I enjoyed it. I wanted more, but we got it. Leave it alone now. Don't make a part three. Don't do it. You, you, you alluded to it at the end in the post-credit scenes. Just leave it alone now. You know, let, let it be. But 
essentially, Hocus Pocus, The Nightmare Before Christmas, and this new Hocus Pocus got me in the mood for Halloween with the combination of that and the weather. This is it, man. This is this is Halloween. Um, it was nice to get the nostalgia back. It made me feel like a little kid again when I was watching it with my family in bed. And it was nice to see them back on the screen. You know, when I remember the first time seeing it with my mom and my brother and then continuously watching it every Halloween, it brought back, you know, a good feeling. And I guess it, if the objective objective of the movie was to bring back and do a good movie, it did that. It was decent. But if it was to make the nostalgia come out, it did that job. You know, seeing the three witches um, back on the screen, again, it, it gave me the nostalgia that it needed to do and set us up for Halloween. That's, you know, 27, 28 days away. So that was my review of Hocus Pocus and a little bit of a snippet of the Halloween and how it came about. So that's the end of this episode of the Say What Again Billy podcast. I hope you enjoyed the review. I know I kind of speeded through certain things and I was able to give you some names toward the end. I just wanted to get this review out there. Um, I wanted more, but what they gave us was good. So... Um, I'd like to thank the Anchor app for giving me the opportunity to have this paranormal podcast and also give my reviews on certain movies that come out that are affiliated with Halloween and the paranormal, such as Hocus Pocus and, of course, my favorite, Ghostbusters. And if you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it is the free app that allows you to get your podcasting idea out there. It's what I've used to get the Say What Again Billy podcast out there for three seasons now. So if you have an idea and you need to get a podcast going, download Anchor. They got all the material and items you need to get your podcast out there. And you'll be able to air your podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many other outlets. The Say What Again Billy podcast is on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Good Pods, and many other outlets. So you can click the link in my Instagram page, which is SWAB underscore podcast, which is short for the Say What Again Billy podcast, and click the link there and start listening. Or just type in the title of my podcast and you'll be able to find me on many outlets. Thanks everybody for listening. And this has been another episode of the Say What Again Billy podcast.